Welcome to School Facilities and Operations. I'm Burke Jones. Um, I'm the host of this podcast, and we, in this podcast, we have a couple different types of shows. Uh, the first type is that I talk to other um, facility managers or directors of operations in K-12 schools primarily. Um, and then another type we have is we have a trade partner on, and we kind of dive deep into what we need to know as operations people um, to make our lives easier or to provide some new um, construction technologies and th that kind of thing. Um, and so that's kind of the two, two types of shows we have on this podcast. Before we get started with today, I do want to ask for some help from you guys. If you could share these episodes out to your social networks or to your friends, um, that greatly helps the show grow. I know there's thousands and thousands of operations people out there in the K-12 arena, and I would just like to be able to reach those people as well. So any help you can give me sharing the show out, also giving us five-star reviews, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts is very helpful, especially on iTunes. Um, so if you could do those two things, I would greatly appreciate it. If you don't want to give us a five-star, then you better shoot me an email and tell me what you would like changed, and I'll see if I can make that happen. So we have an exciting show today. Um, I've been really looking forward to this. I have Sean Boris from Gemini Pipeline Rehabilitation Solutions. He is a pipe restoration expert and consultant. So welcome, Sean. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's just kind of kick it off. Give us a little background on yourself, um, kind of how you ended up in this consulting world of pipeline restoration. And um, then also tell us something about yourself that we probably wouldn't find out about you by reading your LinkedIn profile. Sure. Um, so I got involved in this and it's kind of a long story. Uh, I initially graduated college and worked for a large general contractor um, and love doing that kind of work, um, building complex buildings. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That being said, unfortunately, there was a, the Great Recession uh, and the price of oil was actually skyrocketing. And I joined a company that rehabilitated oil and gas pipes uh, with uh, a multitude of products. It was a huge company, publicly traded um, and I really got involved in not just lining and rehabilitating uh, these oil and gas pipelines, but also sewer and water pipelines. Um, and that was that was also a lot of fun. Great group of or a great community uh, and a lot of cool products. And the technology really has been improving in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, come full circle now. Uh, really, I. I I see that there's so many different products out there that are really useful. That being said, um, they're not, they have strengths and they also have associated weaknesses. And a lot of facility managers don't necessarily keep on top of the best products that are out there. And as a result, um, if they're trying to rehabilitate uh, a water or sewer line or, or what have you, um, I wanna make sure that they're using the most cost-effective and, and a technology that's gonna last 50 to 100 years. So that's that's really how I kind of came first full circle into the, the facility management and then uh, lining small diameter pipelines, anywhere from one and a half inch, even smaller. Uh, and I've gone as large as 48 inch. So um, okay. yeah. Um, and then one thing that's probably not mentioned on LinkedIn, um, I'm a huge mountain biker. So 
love getting out in the mountains and uh, going on adventures with with buddies. Very cool. Do you? Um, I mean, I'm trying to picture mountain biking in the actual mountains. Do you have an e-bike, or are you just in really no. good shape? <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't say I'm in good shape. Uh, I'm in okay shape. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's tough. And uh, living in Colorado, I, I do enjoy just looking up at the mountains. I, I grew up in Washington D.C. Uh, and you know, just looking at the mountains, I'm still uh, awestruck by every time I look out the window. So it's been oh, a yeah. lot of fun. Being in Kansas, we don't have any mountains. Occasionally, you'll find a hill. <laughs> Our mountain bike <laughs> paths, though, I mean, they're pretty good here. They're just more level, you know. Um, mm-hmm still rugged so well that's pretty cool so i mean as you know in k-12 you know i would say in general a lot of us are dealing with buildings that are old um you know not uncommon to have i mean until recently we had buildings that were you know built in the 1950s that were still in operation um but even you know more recent buildings we have a lot of waste lines and a lot of water lines. And, um, you know, I know in our district, we have some waste lines that are causing us constant problems, you know, old cast iron and that kind of thing. So I guess just, I've heard of lining pipes, but I'll tell you where I've heard of it the most is from my friends that have like the sewer line from their house to the street. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll have a company come in and line that, pipe for them or something where it's gotten filled with tree roots or it's cracked or whatever. But outside of that, I've never really heard about this. So I guess I bring me up to speed on what some use cases might be. Sure. Um, So lighting is a perfect application for doing what your, what your friends did in terms of rehabilitating cracked clay or ductile pipes um, where there's been root infiltration. But you can also use liners or a coating, I should say, uh, for inside of buildings. Um, It's really uh, a good solution when pipe is encased in something that's hard to access. Uh, Usually if there's a a pipe failure in an area that's been drywalled over, it's really easy to come and cut out that drywall and install a, a new piece of PVC or what have you. Lining really makes sense if you have a pipe behind a a concrete masonry unit or uh, inside or underneath a slab um, where you're going to be jackhammering the concrete out and then trying to locate exactly where the the pipe is and then fixing it. Uh, Nowadays, you can actually use technologies. You can do a condition assessment before you actually uh, do the lining process. Identify exactly where the liner is or I'm sorry, where the crack is, and then come in and install a Band-Aid fix where you could essentially just line the crack or you could line that entire section. And lining is very, very quick. Um, You could line probably a a 30 or 40 foot section in in a morning, essentially. So you're not going to have to spend the time of finding the crack, taking the time to um, remove all the concrete, fix it and then put everything back together. So that could take obviously days, if not longer. Um, so there are some significant benefits to actually considering a liner versus just replacement. Yeah. So how does it work when you have, I mean, I can see like a 30 foot piece of pipe with no other connections in it, but 
<laughs> does it work like under a restroom floor where you might have six fixtures tying into the to the line? It does, yes. So if that's the case and we're uh, assuming it's a waistline, you could come in, pull a liner, and then essentially uh, reinstate those laterals by routering out the liner at those T's. So uh, it can be used in those certain applications as well. Okay. How do you route out those openings? You could use an internal, essentially, machine uh, okay. and then uh, cut the liner from the inside out. So you're not actually having to, again, expose that pipe and then reinstating that connection. So you can do it okay. from inside the hose pipe. Okay. I mean, I just thinking about some of the issues we've dealt with here. I mean, that's those areas seem to be the biggest problems that we have where mm -hmm. we just have a straight run of pipe. That doesn't seem to be as big of an issue. Mm -hmm. We've had pipes sink and that, mm -hmm. but the, the liners wouldn't solve that, but um, it's just in those oh. restrooms that seem like the biggest issues that we have with pipes, you know, corroding and, and wearing mm -hmm. out and then we snake them which probably damages them more and then it just gets worse and worse yeah so benefits to the liners and um in this specific example thinking that would be a really good example uh or a use case for what's called a cured in place pipeliner so it's often referred to as cipp and that's essentially um uh, you need an access point at the start of the run and at the end of the run. So a toilet flange could be used, a clean out, et cetera. And you can pull in this CIPP liner that's made out of felt and impregnated with a resin. And different manufacturers use different resins and different installation methods. But essentially you're pulling that liner inside the existing cast or steel pipe, or I'm sorry, ductile iron pipe. Um, and then expanding it with air or what have you. So it's essentially coming in contact circumferentially with that existing pipe, and then you're curing it. So it essentially becomes really, really, really hard and has the same, or it's essentially as hard as a new PVC pipe. So it's gonna oh, wow. last about 50 years. Yeah, and it's, okay. it's not that thick either. So you're not gonna necessarily reduce the flow capacity of that existing pipe. Um, so um, it's it's a viable solution for that use case. It can go through bends, um, and um, it's it it's been around probably since uh, for the last twenty five years, being used okay. inside of buildings, and it's was first invented back in the nineteen seventies. So that being said, a lot of plumbers. Um, they know liners. I don't know if a lot of plumbers are expert in lining per se. Um, so it's important that you identify and you would hire the right contractor to do this work. Right. Um, it's, it's really easy to get in over your head um, and uh, perhaps not do everything right. And then you're creating more problems than you're solving. Yeah, I could see that. So is this, is this liner like thick enough so that it doesn't get wrinkles and stuff? as it's going around corners or how does that work? Uh, sometimes it actually can wrinkle, but you can come in after the fact and essentially soften those wrinkles. You can um, router or machine them down. To oh, the, okay. 
things don't collect and get caught on those wrinkles. Yeah. Okay. So CIPP is one method. Like what are the other technologies that are out there right today? So there's a lot of different CIPP systems uh, made by several manufacturers and they're not necessarily all created equal. Uh, so that's important to uh, mention. And then also there's uh, something called an epoxy coating, essentially where I would call a bit more a, a Band-Aid fix. Um, it requires better uh, host pipe preparation since it's fully adhering to that existing host pipe. Um, so you could essentially use an epoxy coating and uh, epoxy the entire line. Okay. And so that, um, again... Some plumbers know how to do that, but really you want to make sure you know and um, you hire a person that really understands how to install these correctly because they can, if they're if it's not prepped correctly, they can fail prematurely. Because it seems like the mat or the felt option basically gives you a new pipe inside the pipe where epoxy is just a coating that could still crack and move easier, I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that is accurate. Okay. So is there, like, what should we look for in a system then if we're, look, if we're looking at a CIPP type product? Uh, one warranty. Uh, a lot of these, even though they're designed to last 50 years, you want to have a product that's warranted probably for at least 10 to 20 years, both the manufacturer and the craftsmanship. So it's important that you're looking at that also, I wouldn't recommend that you'd use a styrene product. Uh, styrene in the industry um, uh, essentially has a, um, I should say, a questionable reputation. Um, it does emit a, a smell and can irritate some folks. So oh, okay. uh, it's important that the spec uh, be reviewed and they're using uh, a resin that's appropriate for the application. I guess that is a good question. Is there an odor from these type of systems as they're curing out? It depends on the manufacturer, but yes. Okay. Some have some emit an odor and some don't. Okay. Okay. So other than epoxy and like the CIPP, is there other technologies that you think are good fits for like a school type environment? Uh, inside the building, that's pretty much about it. Okay. Uh, outside the building, there's, uh, you're essentially coming into a whole bunch of different technologies where you could use, uh, an HDPE type pipe, uh, and you can either slip line that or use a, uh, a bursting method essentially where you're splitting existing pipe and installing a, a complete new pipe. Um, okay. so there's there's a bunch of different technologies. You can also use what's really called um, a fire hose style liner, where it's sort of like CIPP, but you're not actually having to cure it after it's been pulled into place. Essentially, you're folding up this fire hose, pulling it into place, and then expanding it, uh, and it's now becoming circular. Uh, but typically, that doesn't... Uh, it's not usable for anything less than six inch diameter. Okay. So cost savings wise, I mean, I can see in a restroom where we've got tile and concrete and 
you know, it can become a, a couple month project really quick. <laughs> um, yeah. By the time we get that restroom back in operation where this, I mean, there's a cost for the liner or whatever, but mm -hmm. is it kind of comparable to pipe or a little bit more than just the pipe? Like, how do we get any ideas like how you kind of compare those costs? It depends on market, but if you're fixing, let's say, a 10-foot section of four to six-inch diameter pipe, it would probably run about $2,500, uh, okay. and that's to clean, pull in the liner, cure it, and then do a, a post-inspection. And again, that's taking less than a half day to complete, and that's wow. regardless if it's straight or if it's got elbows or, or fittings or what have you. So um, I don't necessarily – I guess – it varies depending upon what the cost to replace that would be. Um, a lot more than that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That being said, uh, it's hard to get a lining contractor to come and do a, a 10 foot repair. They're going to really be looking right now for bigger projects. Okay. Uh, if you live in a city um, where you've got a great relationship with a lining contractor and it's, it's just down the road. Yeah. That's, that's a viable solution. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, it's, they're going to be looking for a larger type project to entice them to uh, right. make it worth their while. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, you think there's, I mean, are there, I would assume since it's been around so long, there's probably contractors in most major cities that mm -hmm. do this. It's just probably the, how experienced they are and the quality they do. Yeah. It varies depending upon city to city. Um, and even some local plumbers are kind of dabbing uh, into the plumbing game, I should say, but there's a, a lot of upfront costs associated with it in terms of getting the right equipment. Uh, and that could range anywhere from 150,000 to $250,000 to get mm -hmm. the necessary tooling. Uh, and that being said, um, you really want to hire somebody that does this day in and day out. I would be a little reluctant uh, to hire somebody that does this once a month or something along those lines and just does um, uh, going from a house to a main. And now you're trying to get them to fix a, a line that's inside a building. It's it's pipe. I mean, both app, both examples are pipe, but it's not necessarily the same type of project. And yeah. the last thing you want to do is, is hire the wrong contractor. And then it becomes a nightmare. Right. Right. I mean, I can think I've been here four years. I know at least one restroom where we cut floor out, dug down, replaced all the pipe. And, um, you know, that was, our guys did it, but it was, you know, it took a few weeks from start to finish. So, yep. um, in the meantime, yeah, we don't have a restroom. Too, yeah. It's messy. Yep. You know, there's lots of dirt. Then you got to mix concrete. And yeah. So, well, can you give us some, I mean, looking at your LinkedIn, you got some pretty cool pictures on there, but can you give us some examples of kind of the projects you've been involved with? Sure. Uh, mainly large projects where it's not just a bathroom, but um, it's, it's more than that. It's several hundred, if not thousands of feet of pipe that need to be rehabilitated. And in areas where it's not a simple fix, where it's just a pipe behind drywall, um, uh -huh. it's usually 
You know, if there's asbestos in the walls, old buildings built in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, because a lot of that casts and ductile iron, essentially, it's lived its useful life. Uh, right. And now we can essentially just add 50 to 100 years of life to those existing pipes. And that's necess- that's new, um, where 20 years ago, you didn't necessarily have these types of options. So a lot of people don't know that lining is a viable solution. Right. Um, they know they have a failure. They know they got to fix it. And what they've what they've done is the same thing um, that their predecessors did. They'll just go in and replace it. So um, there needs to be a lot of education. And that's what I try to do on LinkedIn is just uh, be mindful and show people examples of ways that you can install liners using existing access, going through cleanouts, going through roof vents, um, and show how essentially how quick the process is versus what the replacement is going to look like. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's, that's really what I'm trying to do on, on LinkedIn is what just educate as well as promote as I can. Cause I think that's valuable. A lot of people just aren't, uh, aren't aware of what options are available and it's important that, you know, there's, it's better to have more options than less. Yeah. I wasn't even familiar, um, with this technology, um, like I say, outside of from someone's house to the main, um, that it could be used inside buildings too. really opened my eyes to, you know, some pesky problems we might come across either with a restroom or with a whole set of restrooms in the building, just because the building's so aged um, mm-hmm. to come in and, and basically recode everything um, quickly and less expensively and less disruptive. That's the biggest thing. I mean, we have, I would say a month and a half to two months over the summer where there's no kids in the building. Well, even then there's kids in the building, but we can work around it easier. But, you know, doing major projects in a school system is extremely hard and we don't have much time to get it done. Um, So this looks like a really viable alternative for some of those issues. um, If I can find the right partner. So that's (laughs) probably the next step. (laughs) Um, I saw one of your pictures. It's like the line had been leaking for so long it completely eroded all of the dirt. It did, yes. Uh, so a lot of times, um, there can be cracks underneath slabs, and you not know about it. This, this customer that I think that you're referring to hadn't been inspecting the main uh, for an extended period, if not decades. Uh, and ultimately the pipe had cracked and it eroded away the soil that was supporting the building. And this wasn't just a a minor cavity. This was, uh, a few, uh, uh, cubic yards of grout that needed to be pumped in beneath the slab. So the, the structural engineer would sign off on that sort of fix. Uh, but it's amazing, um, how much sewage can essentially come out of a crack and um, compromise the the compacted soil beneath buildings. And that's essentially what happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Which kind of, I guess, uh, leads me to my next question is that a two, kind of two questions in one. When we camera some of these lines, there almost looks like barnacles and stuff like, 
and they're really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have ways to clean that out and get it back to somewhat of a smooth line? Yeah, so there's a few different options there. You can either jet a line with high pressure water or you can use uh, almost like a chain uh, and centrifugally spin that and knock off those barnacles or scale or tuberculation like what would be in a water line. Um, So yes, you can. Um, With that being said though, you really don't know if you have uh, issues with with the pipe and if it's been compromised with cracks or what have you until you remove all of that scale and tuberculation. Cause you know, if, if there's a lot of buildup, you're not going to see the the real condition of the pipe. Um, yeah. And that being said, it, if you have a few cracks uh, in pipes and restrooms and you know that um, there's issues, it's probably going to be a widespread issue. Uh, and that's where essentially we would come in and recommend doing a condition assessment and seeing the extent of the problem areas and then addressing those accordingly. Uh, if we see that there's cracks, yeah, we'd come in uh, as a consultant, I'd recommend, yes, this this is going to only get worse over time. Let's come in and line those cracks. Um, but in areas where the pipe looks to be uh, in good shape, uh, where there hasn't been sewer gas that's collected and has eroded away the pipe or, or what have you, we could uh, say, okay, let's inspect this again in another five years and see what, what kind of condition that pipe is in. So yeah. um, that being said, um, it's important that facility managers, yes, are, are doing regular inspections of these existing pipes. And what does that look like? Basically just run your camera through it and see yeah. what you see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So is and, there a... uh, Go ahead. Oh, uh you know, a, a local plumber can probably do that. They probably have sophisticated enough camera uh, and CCTV technology to look at and inspect these pipes and uh, turn over a USB or a flash drive over to the facility manager. Uh, and we can either determine that or if they can see that the pipe is in good shape, um, yeah, they, they should be okay. Um, but once you're doing the lining work, uh, that's where it comes with uh, specific tooling uh, to do the lining. So I, a local plumber would be great at um, doing a condition assessment. Okay. Yeah, we have our own plumber on staff, and we actually have a pretty nice camera system um, yep. that you can even, with a tool on top of the floor, you can see exactly where the camera is in the line. Like how far, and that's really great, yeah. And identifying exactly where that pipe is, so that's a a phenomenal tool. So, is there ever a case where there's you know an area of the pipe is so corroded that you couldn't pull a liner in, and you know when you blew it up, would it squish out the side of it, or does it? Uh, not usually. Well, let me say, um, if there, if there's no pipe left, and essentially you're using just a cavity of dirt. Uh, that may be questionable in terms of lining. Um, but if there's large quarter-sized holes uh, in the pipe, you can line that uh, if there's cracks, either longitudinally or circumferentially, you can line those as well. Okay. Um, so it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so more often than not, it's lineable. Okay. So I mentioned earlier, we had a waistline that, you know, a portion of it sunk. 
-hmm. So instead of flowing downhill, now everything had to flow uphill. Mm -hmm. That's there's probably nothing lining could do for that. Probably not. Um, yeah, that in that sense, you'd probably have to go and excavate and essentially replumb uh, those pipes. Yeah, that's what we had to do. So, yeah. That being said, uh, if there's minor offset in the joints, uh -huh. uh, in areas you can actually use a liner and straighten that out essentially oh. by blowing up a bladder inside that liner. And it's, it, it could essentially move some of those pipes so that it's, it's, there's less kick joints. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything else you think we should cover off on lining and restoration? I mean, I've learned a lot oh. already. I feel more educated than I did before. We could definitely talk for hours about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's so, again, uh, if there's trap sewer gas uh, in the vents, like that's sign that there's going to be a, a widespread issue. And if it's trapped in the vents, probably going to have issues in the main. Um, so there's there's so many issues that we could cover. Um, but I, I would say feel free to reach out to me uh, if there's a specific question. I'm happy to um, help guide you on just restroom fixes sure. or if it's more widespread um yeah certainly willing to help with that and make sure that you're on the right path and i'm completely unbiased i try to recommend um you know if it's a if it's a viable project but if it's not a viable project i'd recommend if, for instance if there's some backslope pipe a liner's not going to fix that you need to right replace that yeah okay well give us a little you did just you did a little bit right there but just give us a little bit about um what you do and and how you know what's the best way to reach out to you and um if we have something in mind that you might be a fit for sure uh so gemini essentially we're independent consultants and we help from project inception uh and that's essentially a call saying hey sean i got a problem um and we'll go through the steps and see if this is a viable project um and then i'll help essentially competitively bid the work, uh, because if you're not necessarily bidding this work to um, several reputable contractors, you could have significantly inflated prices. Uh, so I want to make sure that um, everyone is getting a, a, a fair price to do this. Um, yeah. And then essentially acting as a project manager, if there's other trades that need to get involved or a construction manager or an owner's rep, um, if there's other trades that need to get involved and if there's scheduling and communication, uh, I, I would be involved with that as well. So really from project inception all the way to completion, which involves uh, doing a closeout video inspection and oh. QAQC documentation, because that's important as well. Uh, and making sure that this pipe's going to last another 50 to 100 years. Sounds good. Well, I'm glad to have you in my Rolodex here. Um, Likewise. You just get hit with so many weird things as as facilities, uh, operations people. And, um, you know, just making connections like this at least gives me someone to call if I need some help and sends me on the right course, if nothing else. So Happy to do it. I always ask the same three questions to everybody. So it's kind of a rapid fire. You don't have to give huge answers. but. Um, so what time of day do you do your best work? Are you like a morning guy, a night guy? Definitely a morning person. 
Uh, I love sitting in front of a computer in the morning with a fresh cup of coffee. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where uh, I am most productive in a quiet room and uh, reading emails and really kind of just not having any distractions. Yep. Yep. I enjoy that time. For me too, it's also like after 3.30 in the afternoon when all the teachers and principals go home. I have like <laughs> yep. an hour and a half of quiet time. Um, so what would your family say that you do for a living? Uh, I would say disaster management. <laughs> so, um, you know, I never get calls uh, that say, you know, Sean, my pipe is working great. It's always... Uh, usually like Christmas time. Um, hey, I've got a pipe failure. We need to work on this ASAP. Uh, and the price I got was, was way too high. So right. um, yeah, it's, I would say they would, uh, yeah, I think they'd call me a disaster manager. You know, I think that's how I might start describing myself. I'm pre-disaster or disaster. I'm trying to mitigate disasters or I'm responding. I want to be more in the mitigation stage than the disaster stage, but I would too. But I, I think that <laughs> you, you need help on the, uh, on that front. That's true. That's true. Okay. Last question. Are you um, like a paper planner guy or digital, like for note taking and to-do lists and all that stuff? Uh, pretty much digital. Um, I like taking notes if I'm meeting face-to-face with somebody uh, I like using paper, but other than that, I am pretty much all digital. Yeah. I would. That's where I've gone to. Um, I like handwritten notes cause I feel like I can remember them better. There's just something about that. I think, um, but I've moved to almost all digital. I just can't keep it organized enough when I'm handwriting everything. So anyway, um, just thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I learned a lot. And I feel like I have another tool in my tool belt um, for the right situation. So I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bert. I had fun. Is the best way to reach you like your website or LinkedIn? What's the uh, best way is probably my cell phone. And that's okay. 970-946-7450. All right. Yep. Well, sounds I like very... talking to people. Yeah, I can tell. Yep. Well, I enjoy talking to people also. That's one reason I like, I love doing this podcast is just getting to know a variety of people doing a variety of things. So I appreciate you joining us today. And um, I think people are going to get a lot of benefit out of this episode. So I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks again.